Welcome into another NBA Sound System. Appreciate everybody out there that's subscribing to the podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Gil McGregor here, joined once again by my man, Kyle Irving. We are two days into the 2023-24 NBA season. And just for transparency, we're recording this on the morning of Thursday, October 26th. So we have yet to see Dame Lillard and Giannis share the floor against the 76ers. That are last two teams that have yet to play. But we'll talk about them, I'm sure, in coming weeks. But what we have seen is 14 games in two days. It's a great problem to have, but also a little overwhelming. And I'm trying to catch my breath after all the action. Yeah, I mean, that was my biggest takeaway from last night. It wasn't even anything that happened on the court. It said, I need more screens in my in my <laughs> living room. I mean, you know, I got a big TV that I had, you know, the, the main game, the C's and the Knicks on. I had like my smaller TV that I brought out from my room to like flip through some other games. But I mean, I don't know, League Pass has to bring back the option to watch like four games at once. Or maybe I just need to like make my entire living room wall look like a Buffalo Wild Wings. I don't really know what it is, <laughs> but I need more screens to watch more basketball. Yeah, I had the same problem uh, last night. Similar to you, had the Celtics game on the television uh, on Wednesday night, the first full night of action, then had League Pass up, but couldn't get the multi-screen view working for League Pass. So I just settled and just clicked on different games throughout the night. So all of you out there wondering what it's like to cover the NBA, it's it's beautiful cover the NBA, but sometimes you run into first world problems like that, uh, trying to watch three, four, five games at one time. Now, we can talk about the full night of action, but first let's start with opening night. Uh, didn't disappoint. Everybody probably knows what happened by now, but I'm sure we can talk about how it happened. Uh, the Nuggets got their extravagant, insane rings that were – I said this on Twitter. It seems like every year now teams are just trying to outdo the last championship team. Then the Suns end up getting a close win over the Warriors. Bradley Bill was out, but Draymond Green was also out. But we should start – in Denver, and I feel bad because I know a lot of times uh, when the Nuggets beat the Lakers, the storyline ends up being about the Lakers, and there's a big Lakers storyline to come out of that one, but I sure we, we should start with the defending champs. Their rings are crazy, but also nobody in the league has an answer for Nikola Jokic. It's a, it, it just don't. No, they really don't. And that became, you know, evitable again on on opening night. And, you know, I picked Anthony Davis to win Defensive Player of the Year. And it took all of one game of me watching to be like, how can you win Defensive Maybe Player not. of the Year if you can't stop the MVP? So I'm, I'm already rethinking that pick. I don't know about that one. But, I mean, Nikola Jokic was surgical. I mean, it almost felt like he sleptwalked his way to a triple-double on opening night. Uh, Jamal Murray looked incredible. I mean, you know, I personally had some concerns about – you know, obviously, like guys like Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, Walk, they were going to be relying on some younger guys to step in and play some more minutes. Zeke Naji stepped up. Uh, Christian Brown stepped up. Um, and, you know, your guy, Peyton even, Watson. Yeah, Peyton Watson got some playing time as well, which was cool to see. I mean, he's kind of a, you know, defensive minded guy that can bring some energy for them. Yeah. But it took all of one game for the Nuggets to look like the well oiled machine that they did at the end of the season last year. And they wasted no time to establish the fact that they are still the best team in the NBA. And, you know, like you said, Michael Malone even brought that up in the playoffs last year. How did we win a game? And all the storylines are about what the Lakers mm -hmm. did in the first half. You know, they got swept in the series, everything like that. The focus is still on the Lakers. But if you're a Nuggets fan, you should almost take that as a compliment of your team. Like, it is such a complete roster. It is such a complete rotation. It is such a well-oiled machine that there isn't really a ton of takeaways from opening night aside from the new guys that stepped in the rotation where, you know, the focus is on the Lakers because they still have some issues they have to work through. 
they're planning on being one of the contenders in the Western Conference this year. Mm -hmm. And they showed right away that they do not have what it takes to compete with the Nuggets on opening night. You know, I know you wanted to talk about LeBron's minutes restriction a little bit and, and what that might look like for the Lakers. But, you know, on opening night, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, they're looking as dangerous as they were last time we saw them on the floor. I'm glad you said that the Nuggets still look like the best team in the league. So I was going to say, first game over reactions. I know we haven't seen the Bucks yet, but if you had to give somebody a championship for, for game one of the year, if they handed out the Larry OB after one game, it's probably going back to the Nuggets because they look like the most complete team. You talked about Jokic too. It looked like, you know, when like there's you have a younger brother and all his friends come over and they're playing basketball in the, in the, in the driveway and Jokic big bro comes out and they just kind of jumping at you and you just are just bigger and stronger than everybody. And you just shoot over them. There were a couple of times he's in the middle of the lane. He's like, oh, I'll just shoot it over you guys. I got it. And like you said, surgical, I think it was 29 points, 13 boards and 11 assists. Didn't really break a sweat, and he's still getting back into regular season form. So to say that is crazy and just speaks on the Nuggets. And I think that it's interesting about them and other teams we're going to talk about. Uh, you know, you know what their top two guys do, and it's going to be an interesting mix of supporting cast and guys who can step up. You mentioned all those guys who they're looking for to take on a bigger role. And I think the same thing applies to the Lakers. And that was a big part of why the Lakers weren't able to get the job done on opening night. We talked about LeBron's minutes. It's going to take some getting used to. Played 29 minutes in the game uh, at 21 points eight boards was was very efficient while he was on the floor um they mentioned that they said it seems like it's going to be a trend moving forward it makes sense he's not as young as he once was he's playing in spurts but I, I think what that does obviously it makes it more important for other guys to step up and the Lakers do have a deep team and they can get a combination of certain guys to step up but it puts a lot of the pressure on Anthony Davis because he went scoreless in the second half after having 17 points in the first half against Denver. And then you need one of D'Angelo Russell or Torian Prince. Um, Derek Vanderbilt didn't play in that game, so that's another guy who could fill that, fit that bill. Rui, Austin Reeves, all these guys. Do you think that that's a sustainable way for this Lakers team to actually compete, seeing LeBron play less than 30 minutes a game on a nightly basis? Because that's weird. It is very weird. And you know what? I don't know if you felt the same way, but when I was watching, I'm like – I don't really remember a time where LeBron was sitting this much during, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. especially on opening night, it was very, you know, yep. it was clear right away that there was some sort of minutes restriction in place. And then, you know, Vogel talked about it after the game and then it all kind of came together, but you know, the Lakers are going to be just fine. Like I really do think the Lakers are going to be fine. Even if LeBron is only playing 30 ish minutes a night. I mean, the idea is to preserve him as long as you can and kind of just keep him in a chamber healthy until the mm -hmm. playoffs, because you know, if you can get, you know, 16, plus solid games out of him in the postseason, you're going to have a chance to compete for a title. I do think that they brought in the right pieces, you know, around him and around Anthony Davis to kind of make this work with him playing limited minutes this late in his career. Um, but at the same time, you know, how many times are we going to say this? I mean, LeBron said it, what, his very first year coming into LA, like this is supposed to be Anthony Davis's team. This yeah. isn't supposed to be LeBron James's mm -hmm. team. And if Anthony Davis isn't going to step up the way that he's supposed to, you know, being one of the top, we'll call it 15 players in the NBA yeah. and he's not available every night or almost every night and isn't going to give them, you know, top 15 player in the NBA type production, this Lakers team, their ceiling is a lot lower than, you know, even the Western conference finals team that we saw last year. Right. So, you know, as much as we want to talk about guys like Austin Reeves and obviously Jared Vanderbilt would help on the defensive end, um, you know, Rui Hachimir, all the different guys that they brought in, whether it's like Gabe Vincent coming off the bench, um, you know, as much as we want, to, we want to talk about those guys and, and them, they obviously have to step up and do their job. At the end of the day, it comes down to can Anthony Davis be the player that Anthony Davis is supposed to be for this Lakers team?
I mean, that's a quite, I mean, I, I, are you confident in that? Like, do you think that's an actual sustainable, like we've seen Anthony Davis do it before. We, we saw him do it last year in the playoffs. We saw him have those crazy games last year during the regular season. But is that an actual real thing that a, a, a title contender can rely on? I'm starting to think it's not. And mm, I say yeah. that with confidence, but at the same time, I feel like every time that I doubt Anthony Davis, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels this way. <laughs> yeah. Every time I doubt Anthony Davis and think, you know what, maybe he's not a 15 player in the NBA. Maybe he's more like top 25 or, you know, maybe he's not a number one option on a team that can win a championship. Maybe he needs to be second fiddle to somebody else. It seems like he proves me wrong. Um, so, you know, I, I'm more than okay with being wrong about this and Anthony Davis mm-hmm. having an MVP caliber season, defense player of the year caliber season going on to lead this Lakers team the way that he should with LeBron James kind of falling into that second fiddle role. But at the same time, like, you know, I, it's game one overreactions, but you can't have zero points in the second half. It cannot happen, especially against the league MVP when you're trying to make a statement on opening night. So Anthony Davis, I mean, he's got to be the guy this year and I'm not sure if he, if he can be the guy that the Lakers need him to be. And credit to Denver for making it hard on AD, but still, like you said, if you're going to be a top 15 guy in the league, you have to find a way to make it work. And it makes me wonder just because the presence of LeBron James is in many ways larger than life on the court, off the court, whatever you say. And and maybe it's subconsciously just hard for another player to feel like they're outdoing LeBron, whether LeBron's playing 20 minutes or 40 minutes. And maybe it's just someone that's hard to feel like you are your star is shining brighter than him because LeBron's been trying to pass the torch for years to Anthony Davis. He mentioned trying to give Kyrie Irving the blueprint while they were in Cleveland and Kyrie ended up wanting to leave. So not even something that's really a commentary or negative commentary about LeBron, but just saying that that's, that's just who LeBron is. One more point on LeBron James. I'm curious to your thoughts about it. Uh, we talked about, you know, him and Darvin Ham and the training staff working on, um, this this minutes restriction thing. There was the Beats by Dr. Dre ad uh, with his wife narrating it, saying, you know, keep going until you play with your son, then do it again. Do you think that this is the first step of preserving LeBron James to maybe he plays with Bronny and Bryce at the NBA level? Because this is year 21 for LeBron, which is why I said this, this minutes thing makes sense. He's about to be 39 years old. He's got a lot of mileage on his body, but maybe he's trying to extend the career gracefully. Yeah, I mean, I didn't draw those two points together. Uh, maybe I should have, considering that commercial dropped right before opening night. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I, it gave me goosebumps. I mean, that was a really cool commercial. Crazy. But, yeah, very well done. you know, maybe maybe it is a way of trying to preserve his body to stick around until Bryce gets to the NBA. I mean, LeBron's game, it, it could age gracefully if he mm-hmm. chooses to let it age gracefully. It's just that, you know, as we even saw a lot the other night, like this guy is still a bulldozer going downhill in transition. Like he's throwing bodies off of him. The burst still looks crazy, right? And, and I think you make a great point about how it's tough to be the star in, in the you know limelight of playing alongside LeBron yeah. James. Like that aura is never going to away, never going to go away. He is always going to be, you know, at the front of the NBA as long as he is in the NBA. I don't care if he's playing 10 minutes off the bench. People are still going to talk about LeBron James. That's just how it's been for the last two decades. Um, but, you know, I mean, maybe he is trying to preserve his body to play with his sons. I mean, Bryce is, uh, what, two years away from potentially coming into the league if he's a one and yeah. done Ronnie's situation got a little a little murky this year with the hard thing. And, and, you know, you'd like to think that he'll be one and done and play right. uh, in the NBA next year. But you still don't know because we don't know when he's going to be back on the court officially right. yet. Um, so maybe LeBron is trying to preserve his body. But I do think this is more of a, all right, I just want to make sure that I'm right for the playoffs this year because we feel like we have a playoff caliber team. And if I can just put it together for, you know, 16 wins in the postseason, then yep. he can add another ring to his collection. 
Yeah, they're just trying, trying to get to the playoffs healthy. They'll win games. They're good enough to win games. I don't think it's an issue of whether or not they'll make the playoffs, um, but keeping your guys as fresh as possible. And then there's two different big pictures in mind. Um, that being said, we talked about the blueprint of passing and the torch to a different star. We saw it in real time. We saw a bunch of people tweeting. It was pretty, pretty funny saying that Kevin Durant found somebody to take a backseat to before LeBron <laughs> did. Devin Booker on opening night. And that's no, no, no disrespect to Kevin Durant, but he's not as young as he once was. Either Devin Booker was masterful on opening night. Suns did not have Bradley Bill, as I mentioned earlier. Book, uh, point book. He just shows why he's that guy. I know we talked about the uh, the the D books having maybe some luck in him. It's got to be the shoes. It's got to be the shoes, man. He had the the all orange, all orange uh, D book chapter ones on. I think he finished with thirty two points, eight assists. Get a close one over the Warriors. Bunch of guys stepped up for the Suns. I think that they also have a similar slim margin of error because they're so top heavy. They're already dealing with injuries to start the season. But um, I don't know what you thought while watching the Suns. You covered that game really closely, but it was a tough win for them. Yeah, it was. And it was kind of an ugly basketball game. Yeah. You know, like the final product ended ended up being pretty nice in the fourth quarter, ended up, you know, being a really competitive game. But yeah, I mean, I think my biggest takeaway, at least on the Sun side, was. Devin Booker is ready to step into this point guard role. I mean, he scored or assisted on the last 15 points the Suns had in that game. Um, You know, again, I'm going to use the word surgical. Like, he was really good in making decisions of, hey, it's my turn. I'm going to go get a bucket for myself. Or, you know, they're doubling me. I'm going to find, you know, whoever it is, Josh Okoge wide open in the corner to knock down a three. And guys stepped up. Um, Devin Booker was really impressive. But, you know, like you said, we're recording this on Thursday morning. It's looking like him and Bradley Beal aren't going to be playing tonight. So we're going to really see what this Suns – depth or lack thereof is all about I mean they had guys that did step up I thought Nurkic played well uh, on Mm -hmm. opening night again I'm going to bring up Josh Okogie he is like the only thing the only way that I can compare Josh Okogie's basketball game is that he's like a special teams grinder in the NFL like he might be like the master (laughs) of the NBA like this guy is just he's running around there he's defending he's grabbing offensive rebounds he's grabbing defensive rebounds he's I mean how tall is he he can't be taller than like what six three six four like it feels like he's running around with his head cut off making plays happen though and I give him credit you know he was pushing he was helping them push the pace and transition finishing around the rim like those are the the types of i'm going to use the word random guys that have to step up for the suns because they built such a top heavy roster so you know thursday night um like like we said we were recording before this game tips off so it's going to be really interesting to see what the suns look like when it's just kevin durant potentially out there tonight now you you mentioned the kogan that's a guy i think it might have been one of his first few years in the league i just remember he was guarding James Harden. This is when James Harden was on a crazy tear in Houston, and he just sat down and ended up blocking a step back through. And I was like, all right. I've never seen anybody do that before, but if this young guy can figure out a way to do that, and it might have been a fluke, it might have been luck, but he's got a place in, in the league. And I think the way you said that his presence is, that that perfectly encapsulates that. And, and just to, to wrap that up, similar to all of these teams we're saying, and this is just any team, but I think more so true this year than years past, these Western Conference contenders are are really depending on these rotation guys, these Akogis, these Rui Hachimuras, you know, uh, Yusuf Nurkic, Yuta Watanabe, um, Christian Brown, all these guys. They need these guys to hit. And, and a lot of these teams have a rotation of guys, and it could be somebody any given night. But I think it's going to be curious, interesting to see how, how that kind of plays out in the Western Conference because – Pretty much it's looking like because of these top-heavy teams, whoever has the most consistent supporting cast. Newsflash, Captain Obvious here. They're going to be the team that come, that, that, that gets it done uh, in the Western Conference because the Western Conference does seem like there are four or five teams that can get it done. Now, the next night of action, 12 games were going on. We both were, were pretty locked in to 
that Celtics Knicks game. You wrote about Chris Stapps Porzingis and what he did in his Celtics debut. He's the answer, is he not? <laughs> hey, if we're talking about if we're talking about uh, you know first night overreactions, Kristaps Porzingis is lined up for Defense Player of the Year this year. Maybe <laughs> yeah. it's not too late to switch my pick from Anthony Anthony Davis to KP. But no, I mean all jokes aside, he was incredible in that game last night. I felt like from the get go. Um, you know, you could tell he was playing with a little chip on his shoulder back at Madison Square Garden. I think that yeah. was a return game that people like weren't really paying as much of attention to just because, you know, he's played for a couple teams since then. So you kind of forget that the Knicks is kind of where that journey all started. Yeah. Um, but he was so good defensively. I mean, he only had one block in the first quarter, but like the Celtics were switching on the perimeter. All four guys, they had decided to bring Al Horf- Horford off the bench. And, you know, with Derek White, Drew Holiday, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, you can switch as freely as you want because those guys can guard anybody. As we saw, Drew Holiday started the night on Julius Randle. Um, you know, so it almost was like Marcus Smart never left. But mm. they're filtering everything into Porzingis. And, you know, whether it's deterring shots at the rim, uh, forcing the Knicks drivers to kind of just decide, hey, I actually don't want to challenge him at the rim. I'm just going to kick out instead. Um, you know, Steph No pointed out, our colleague Steph No pointed out that the Knicks shot 33% at the rim in the first half. The league average last year was like 62 and a half at the rim, 62 and a half percent at the rim. So it just shows you how good of a job Porzingis did uh, on the defensive end. I thought he really set the tone for them on that end of the floor. Uh, and that's something the Celtics are really focusing on this year, getting back to being a defense first team. Uh, and then, you know, I mean, he's the one that also knocked down the big shot at the end. He, yep. he buried five threes. He gives them such a unique look on the offensive end of being able to play inside and out. He was pick and popping. Uh, Derek White found him on a lob. That's something that we saw a lot during the preseason. Um, you know, we didn't we didn't really see a lot of the back to the basket mid range stuff that he's capable of doing, and I'm not sure how much opportunity he's going to have to do things like that. Um, but you know, all in all, I mean, I think that was as good of a debut that you could ask from uh, out of Kristaps Porzingis, first player in Celtics history to have 30 points in a debut. Think about people that's worn the green and white. To say that he's the first, to be the first to do anything in, yeah. in that in that uniform, it, it speaks a lot. So he's he's well on his way. I think the one thing that is interesting to me, I know it's it's a new team. They're two new rotation guys going to play heavy minutes, but I do think it was interesting that we saw some similar things that we've seen in years past. Definitely. Celtics build a nice little league, get a little comfortable. Knicks claw back. But I will say the Celtics, we've kind of seen this exact same story in Madison Square Garden in years past. I don't know if if, if different iterations of the, of the Celtics find a way to, to end up winning that game, and they did. So I think that's something to be encouraged about moving forward. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's a great point. Like, you know, late turnovers from Jalen Brown, late turnovers from Jason Tatum. Um, you know, Tatum had a great game. Brown didn't have such a good game. Um, but it's the same mistakes that we've seen from these this team in years past, and it's the reason why they haven't been able to get over the hump. You know, it's game one. Like you said, it's going to take some time to click. Uh, I think even in terms of like shot selection and at times it felt like, you know, Derek White was like, all right, I got to get a shot here. Drew Holiday was like, I got to get a shot here just because, you know, it, it's so tough to find mm. shot attempts on a team that has JT, JB and, and KP. We're using all abbreviations here, I guess. I'm going to have to get used to that. But, uh, you know, it, like you said, it, it other versions of this Celtics team would have lost that game. They would not yeah. have, you know, been able to kind of grind it back out in the fourth quarter, retake the lead and close things out. And I think it's it's a sign of improvement that this Celtics team was able to do that on night one. But I also think it's a credit to the Knicks and just how feisty they can be this year. Yeah. And, you know, how dangerous of a team they can be in the East when everything's clicking. I mean, Jalen Brunson didn't have a great game last night. Mm. They're going to get a lot more out of him than they did last night. Emmanuel quickly, I mean, he kind of, I'm going to actually steal Bill Troche's quote from this morning here. He turns into Kobe Bryant against the Celtics. <laughs> against the Celtics. Emmanuel quickly looked awesome last night, starting his six-man-of-the-year campaign off real strong. Julius 
Julius Randle left a lot to be desired last night as well. The Knicks were still right in that game. So, you know, that's going to be a scrappy New York team. And I mean, a lot of people expect the Celtics to be, if not the best team in the East, one of the best teams in the NBA. And the Knicks were with them all the way, uh, every step of the way, all the way down to the wire last night. Yeah, one more point about that. You, you mentioned the, the Celtics losing the game in the past. And credit to Joe Mazzula as well, right? He's growing. It's his second year as an NBA head coach. He was thrust into the position last year. So I'm sure we'll see him grow in his decision-making uh, as well, which I think will help this team. The coaching is important, and, and we've learned that in, in years past. Now, speaking of Celtics and former Celtics on the Chris Porzingis trade, Marcus Smart in his debut with the Grizzlies, I'm sure is still a sore spot for Celtics fans, but Chris Porzingis may be easing the pain a little bit. They lose to the Pelicans, who took care of business. Very balanced box score for New Orleans. Man, it feels good to see Zion Williamson play basketball again. The sequence that he dunked on Jaron Jackson Jr., <laughs> falls down, gets up, and within like five or six seconds is catching the alley-oop. I think he finished with 30, 23 points in the game, 12 of which came in the fourth quarter. One, it's really good to see Zion back. And they didn't even have Trey Murphy yet. He's still coming back. Jose Alvarado is still uh, out on the injured list. So, Pelicans are exciting. We've talked about that. On the flip side, though, Grizzlies might be cooked, man. I, I don't know. <laughs> Jaws out for 25 games. Steven Adams out for the year. I don't want to overreact. I know it's one game, and I know they played against a solid Pelicans team, but just, just relying on Desmond Bain a lot and a lot of Jaron Jackson and somebody's going to need to step up, it, it's going to hurt not having Ja and not having Steven Adams all year. I, I don't know what that means for them. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, even they're missing guys like Santi Aldama, who I think can make an yeah. impact in the rotation last night. Um, it's going to take – it's weird to say it's going to take time to click for a team that, you know, it, a, the majority of the rotation is the same from last year. They bring in a guy like Marcus Smart, like you said, um, you know, who's going to try and fill that jaw – you know, not fill the jaw role, but play Marcus Smart's role in Jaw's point guard position uh, for the first 25 games of the season. Uh, guys like Xavier Tillman are going to have to step up. I thought he had a solid game last night. Um, but, you know, he's kind of an undersized big that they can't rely on the same way they did Steven Adams to be setting big screens and, and, you know, really bodying up with guys like Jonas Valanciunas, who ended up with, you know, a double-double in his sleep as he always does last night. Um, but, you know, I, I don't want to <laughs> – like you said, it's, it's first game over reaction. So, you yeah. know, I, I like that you're, you're going to sit on that side of the fence and just say <laughs> the Grizzlies are cooked. I feel like they're going to take some time to click. Uh, this is going to yeah. be a rotation that's going to take some time to figure out in a pecking order on offense of all right, who's going to be the guy that's going to score aside from Desmond Bain. Um, yeah. Can Jaron Jackson Jr. give you offensive production every night while giving you the level of defense production that he usually gives? Um, that's a question that's you know to be seen. Um, but you know, as of right now, I mean, this team is very clearly not the team that was fine in the West last year. Uh, this is not the team that, you know, is led by an electrifying superstar who can go and give you, you know, 25 points and almost 10 assists on any given night. Uh, they're going to have to find a, a different way to distribute that type of production and and kind of hold things down until John Morant can get back 25 games into the season and hope that, you know, they're floating somewhere towards that, you know, a top six spot in the West that once yeah. Jock comes back, he can kind of hit the ground running and bring them back into that top six, uh, you know, a solidified playoff spot in the West. I already get the feeling I'm going to regret this. The Grizzlies might be cooked. Uh, take we'll see. Uh, again, one, one game overreaction. That's that's the fun part about it, right? That's what it's all about. Uh, yeah. So yeah. it's all about you know. But I, realistically, though, hang around 500, maybe 15 and 10 without job, and you are cooking rather than being cooked. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see how that goes for them. Two more uh, to talk about on opening night. Um, I think we'll we'll save one for after the break. But uh, Raptors open the season uh, with a win over. The Minnesota Timberwolves, I know we talked about, you know, that one a little bit. 
new era, Darko Ryakovich. Um, but speak, some things never change. The, the, <laughs> the Timberwolves have not won in Toronto since January 21st, 2004. I was in fifth grade. And just because I, I was, I wanted to look. Scoot Henderson wasn't born yet. Derek Lively II wasn't born yet. Victor <laughs> Wembanyama was 17 days old the last time the Minnesota Timberwolves won a game against the Raptors in Toronto. That's crazy. But credit to the Raptors. Wasn't like the cleanest game. Dennis Schroeder, most points in a Raptors debut since Kawhi Leonard. He said, don't start that after the game. But <laughs> Raptors went 10 deep. Pascal Siakam only played 34 minutes. I think it's a fresh new era. Yeah, it is a new era. I mean, Dr. Ryakovic had that quote going into the season about how he doesn't want guys playing, you know, 40 minutes a night. And I was like, right. these guys must have taken a sigh of relief after the last few years of, <laughs> yeah. you know, averaging 40 minutes per game under Nick Nurse. Yeah. Um, you know, the Raptors, uh, it feels like this is a really strong start to their season. Like they really need yeah. to get this one just to kind of set the tone for the year and, and prove that, hey, we can still win basketball games even without a leader like Fred VanVleet. On the court, like you said, Dennis Schroeder looked awesome. Uh, Scotty Barnes, even though he didn't have his best offensive game, I mean, he finished with five blocks and two steals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the rotation, uh, it was it was interesting. I, I would have thought that, you know, someone like Grady Dick, for example, that we talked about, a lot about on the pod last week, I would have thought yeah. he would have showed more than what, I think he played like two minutes or something like two that. Minutes. Like he didn't yeah. really get a lot of PT. But at the same time, you know, if you look around the league, there was only three rookies actually from this year's draft class that ended up starting on opening night. It was Scoot Henderson, it was Victor Weminyama, and it was Asar Thompson from uh, the Detroit Pistons. Everybody else is coming off the bench, Derek Lively included, who had a really good game in Wemby's debut. But, you know, so it's going to take some time for these rookies to work their way into the rotation. I don't think this necessarily means that Grady Dick is going to be out of the rotation the entire year. I think it's just going to take some time for him to work into the rotation. But, I mean, out of the guys that you need to see produce for the Raptors – Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi. I mean, yeah. we talked about how they got to get something out of Dennis Schroeder to fill what Fred Van Vliet, what they're missing from Fed, Fred Van Vliet, and he gave them that on opening night. And to grind out a close win in a game that I can confidently say the Raptors would have lost last year. Like, they <laughs> lost so many of those versions yeah. of last night's game uh, last year. It's got to feel good to get a, get in the win column and, and get a W and start out 1-0 at Scotiabank Arena. Absolutely. Always good to start uh, with a win, but I think for a team with a new head coach and a few new pieces, it's extremely important uh, to start off the season on the right foot. One golden quote from Pascal Siakam, they asked him how it felt to play 34 minutes. He said he feels fresh. He feels like he can go and play another game. So that just speaks to uh, just the, the workload that this Raptors team is used to taking. Speaking of another game, we have one more game from opening night that we'll talk about, but we'll save that for after the break. So we'll catch you in one second. We can talk about Victor Wimbenyama's debut against the Dallas Mavericks. All right, on a night where there were 12 games going on, let's face it, all eyes were on the Frost Bank Center. Going to take some getting used to in San Antonio. Yeah, you said, that, you said that in Slack last night. I was like, or maybe I read it in the article that you wrote yeah. on how Wemby played in his debut, but I was like, what is that? I didn't Frost even realize Bank that Center. they, yeah, I had no idea they changed the name of that arena. I had to like yeah. even Google it to be like, did he get this right or is he mixing this up with something else? Sounds like a skating rink. Yeah, it actually does. Like that's <laughs> they don't got a hockey team out there. Like what are we, what are we doing? Frost Banks? Yeah, so, anyway, that's not the point. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, all all eyes were the Frost Banks and the Victor Women Yaba made his debut against the Mavericks. Finished with 15 points, five rebounds, two assists, and two steals, but at five turnovers and five fouls. Foul trouble kept him pretty much on the bench for the majority of the game. He played 23 minutes in the game. 
to you, Victor Wimbanyama's debut was slightly disappointing. Um, okay. I mean, he obviously he showed spurts. Like at the end of the yeah. fourth quarter, there he looked awesome, and he was you know knocking down face up jumpers. He was demanding yeah. the ball, shooting with confidence. I mean, I think they had pulled up a graphic on the screen. It was like he only had twenty six touches or something like that, which is kind of like all right, like everybody else on the roster, we understand you're trying to like show that you worked on your game in the off season, but like this isn't about you. <laughs> like yeah. just yeah. give the ball to Webby and get out of the way. Um, <laughs> no, I mean obviously they're going to stick to their game plan. Yeah. Uh, guys are going to you know Devin Vassell and. And Kelton Johnson played well. Um, Jeremy Sohan, you know, had moments. But at, at the end of the day, they got to get the ball in Victor's hands. And, you know, obviously yeah. foul trouble limited him severely, uh, kept him on the bench, probably prevented him from getting into any real rhythm. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I would have liked to see, obviously, Victor stay out of foul trouble on opening night. Yeah. He had like a moving screen, uh, you know, foul that he drew. It was, you know, reaching, reach in foul, like just little things like that that you really need to clean up. Um, it didn't seem like he had any nerves or anything like that for opening night. He felt ready for the moment. Uh, you know, I, he's going to be fine. Victor Wimbyama, breaking news, is going to be fine. Um, but, you know, obviously on opening night where everybody was so excited to watch him, it's kind of tough that foul trouble got in the way of, of really seeing his full potential in, in what we're going to see from him this season. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I think that, like, the – Foul trouble in the way he picked up two in the first quarter sat. Didn't he played pretty pretty mistake free or foul free in, in the second, but then picked up two quick ones in the third. And then come back in the fourth and picks up one within the first minute of the fourth quarter. Um, so I think that's kind of how his nerves showed himself because he appeared very calm. Uh, he's always kind of been cool as a cucumber. Uh, it just would, would gross how many people are uh, having cameras in his face or how many people, how many millions of people were tuned into the game. Vic has been a, a cool guy. Um, that being said, couldn't get into them like you like like you were saying. Um, I actually was texting our guy Pat, uh, and I can take maybe a, mi- a minor victory lap. But I said, you know, I, I'm still expecting a quick little spurt, kind of like Zion's debut. And Victor Wembanyama had six points to the first three quarters, then nine quick ones in the fourth. Crowd got going. Uh, they got back in the lead for a moment, but like you said. Chetty Osman was, was taking some shots and maybe he could have looked inside to Victor Wembanyama, uh, and then Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving spoiled Victor Wembanyama's debut. So, uh, to, to put it in one word, uh, Victor Wembanyama's debut was impressive. Um, I, you know, it wasn't like mind blowing or just like, I, I just like the, the, I, I you know, what? instead of impressing, reassuring, because I'm going to go with that because there was a moment in time we're not going to write anybody off after their first NBA game, uh, or, crown them as being the goat after their first NBA game. But it, he did the things that reminded you that he was special. He had a block on his first ever defensive possession in the NBA, uh, little things like that. He was always engaged, even when he was in foul trouble. So um, I'm excited to, to see bigger performances from him. You know, he gets, he, he avoids foul trouble. And I think we'll see some big performances from Victor Wimanyama. So, and the Spurs are going to be super fun too. Yeah, they are. I mean, that's a young roster with a lot of guys who are still trying to find their footing in the NBA and prove, you know, that they belong. I thought Trey Jones played well last night. Like they had, you know, a lot of young guys contributing and it's going to be a fun team to, you know, see. I'm sure they're going to undergo some starting lineup changes. They're going to try some different uh, units around Wembenyama to really make this thing work. But I mean, right away, the Mavericks weren't a playoff team last year. So it's not like, you know, they were going toe to toe with a team, uh, you know, that is some sort of like, you know, established championship contender. But you know, like we said, it's guys like Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving who down the stretch obviously proved they have been there millions of times before. Luka hit the big shot at the end to spoil Wemby's debut and, yeah. and kind of halt any momentum that they had. 
Um, but the Spurs were there all like every step of the way, again, like right. all the way down to the line. Um, and, you know, for a young team that is trying to, you know, last year they were not a good team, obviously. And the guys that were around Weminyama last night had a lot more shot attempts last year. They were, you know, maybe had some sets run for them instead of for Wemby. And now they're trying to adjust to this new franchise player and how do they get in a rhythm? How do they get him in a rhythm? He was in foul trouble in and out of the lineup. So all things considered for them to be able to take that Mavericks team all the way down to the wire the way that they did. I think that's reassuring uh, to use the same word that you just used for what the Spurs could look like this season and the type of you know competitive games that they could find themselves in, which is all you can really ask for for Wemby in his first season. No one's expecting this guy to you know step on an NBA floor and immediately carry this team to the playoffs. Obviously, ex- expectations are astronomical. People are you know talking about how he could be, whether it's defense player of the year, you know, first team all defense, second team all defense, an all-star as a rookie. Um, you know, those are really, really high expectations. But at the end of the day, like if this guy is coming out every single night and he's proving that he is the franchise player that the Spurs know he can be, and they're getting the right pieces, you know, to gel around him and, and start building this core moving forward the way that I expect to fully expect the Spurs to do. Um, you know, we're going to realize pretty quickly that this guy could not have ended up in a better scenario if we don't already realize that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think they have done such a good job building the team. And I think that's the biggest thing that people who weren't paying attention to the Spurs, because quite frankly, why would you have been in years past unless you were really locked into things? But to see Jeremy Sohan, like you mentioned, Devin Vassell, who just had a crazy big payday that a lot of people were unsure, unclear about. People see how good he is. Victor mm-hmm. Wimbanyama's a guy. So again, temper your expectations. He is 19 years old. Um, he was only 17 days old the last time the, the, the Timberwolves won in Toronto. So, like, t- just temper, temper your expectations <laughs> a little bit. He's going to be good. He's going to be great. Um, but, you know, he's got to do it on his own time. It could be two weeks into the year. It could be two months. It could be in year two. So, we'll see. Now, switching topics a little bit, going around the horn, a, a few things going on in the NBA. I we talked about Kevin Durant and the Suns playing the Warriors on opening night. That was his first time playing in front of fans in the Bay Area since he left. He played. Uh, at Chase Center with the Nets, but there were no fans uh, due to the pandemic back in 2021. They asked him about his time in Golden State. Joe Lacob said that as long as he's chairman of that franchise, nobody's ever going to wear 35 again. Kevin Durant said, hell yeah, (laughs) my jersey needs to be retired in Golden State. But I've heard some pushback. Your thoughts on number 35 hanging in the rafters in in Golden State? It has to, man. I don't know how there even is pushback. (laughs) Like there are people like, I think there are people that just are really mad at Kevin Durant still in like, you yeah. know, for that era of the NBA and in a lot of people feel like, you know, he's kind of contributed or been like at the forefront of like this whole player empowerment thing and, and you know, demanding trades wherever you want to go and everything like that. Yeah. But like, come on, man, at the end of the day, this guy was a two time finals MVP, you know, won a couple championships there. He was, I mean, Steph Curry is one of the greatest players to ever touch a basketball. Kevin Durant was undeniably the best player on those teams. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought his quote was really mature after the game. I don't know if you heard like when he, he was asked about how he felt about the reception that he got from the fans and everything like that. And he's like, I can confidently say that, you know, after my time leaving Golden State, that the fans have respect for everything that I did here. And that's all I can ask for. And I was like, that's yeah. an awesome quote, man. Like, that is a really cool way to just kind of like view. There was so much scrutiny the entire time he was in Golden State. He's still getting scrutiny yeah. for yeah. for going to Golden State in the first place. And to be able to kind of like put that aside, I mean, you know, I, I obviously not hiding it here. I've always been a Kevin Durant guy. I think yeah. that he's always kind of been shot, like shown in unfair light 
Um, you know, obviously he's got, he likes responding to people on social media, but he's just a regular guy like anybody else. And, yeah, and yeah. he's just a guy that loves basketball at the end of the day, more than anything else. Like he loves basketball. He's not someone that's doing this because he wants, you know, followers or, or popularity or anything like that. Like he's just a pure, pure hooper. And, uh, you know, I, I do feel like he should have his jersey lifted in the rafters at the Chase Center. Simple as that. I'm right there with you. Uh, when it's all said and done, I think we'll see 9, 11, 23, 30, 35. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's going to wear those numbers again. Probably, Golden State. probably not. Yeah, different different conversations for a different time about whether or not nine should be in the Hall of Fame because <laughs> we could go on for a while about that. And that is one that's very nuanced. But I thought it was interesting <laughs> to finish that up. Juan Toscano-Anderson uh, saw a tweet pretty much like that. I think Jason Tatum might have tweeted that. And then Juan, Juan T quoted and five. So shout out to Kev, Kevon Looney as well. Big piece to the puzzle. Not <laughs> sure if he's going to get his number retired in Golden State, but they don't win some of their championships uh, without his uh, – contributions now <laughs> to continue going around the horde anthony edwards talked about him eight for 27 against the raptors on opening night but he had 10 points in the first five minutes of the game i know i tweeted must be the shoes his ae ones commercial that's one of the best sneaker ads i've ever seen for those of you who haven't seen it yet go look it up check it out he's pulling out the debut sneakers of other people except lamella ball because lamella ball called him out about it on uh, instagram but it's lucas first shoe lebron's first shoe he knew better than to bring out jordan's first shoe uh but he's like man these ain't these ain't it these ain't it jack and, and then he just had the, the the best line he pulls out his, his own uh first debut signature sneaker and he goes because they the a ones crazy man like that was a great <laughs> that was a great line like anthony edwards is a superstar in the making because of his personality and now he's got his own sneaker yeah, and I give Adidas credit for like really leaning into that. Like that's the right, right. marketing because it's authentic to Anthony Edwards. Like none, none of those players are going to be offended that Anthony Edwards right. said that about their first sneaker. Like that's how Anthony Edwards is. He's that confident. Yep. You know, he he's that um, you know colorful with his personality. And you know, I thought it was funny too that Lamelo Ball's weren't in there because I do think he has a tough first signature shoe, yep. and he knew better than to come at not just the best first signature shoe of all time, but honestly, the greatest sneaker in the history of sneakers yeah. uh, with the yeah. Jordan one. So he wasn't going to, you know, put himself into, into deep water like that, but the A ones are fresh and, and he got off to a good start last night um, to this breakout season that everybody is expecting out of him. Yeah. And you can't do it. Doppelganger either though. I know I did the, uh, the story one time where, where if you look at the side by side, depends on the angle, depends on the photo, but there are some pictures, Anthony Edwards and, and MJ, and I think that Ant, when I think about his competitive nature and like his outwardness and his personality, I think it's kind of a modern day version of that. Like t- I took that personally, I you know, this, that, and the third. So I'm not here to say that he's the second coming or anything like that, but he's got that turnaround jumper. Um, but Devin Booker did provide us with a reminder that that, that, that number one shooting guard uh, position in the league, even though he's playing a lot of point guard, that, that position is that it's, it's, it's handled for uh, the foreseeable future. Yeah, and uh, I mean, if we're going to do Michael Jordan comparisons, I don't know if anything will be like more one for one than that Terry Rozier highlight clip that was fl- that was like floating around oh on Twitter gosh. back in the day That's of like how like Terry Rozier is modeled his game after Michael Jordan and stuff like that. So it's hilarious that like we have like, is Jimmy Butler Michael Jordan's son? Is Anthony <laughs> Edwards Michael Jordan's son? Is Terry Rozier's game modeled after Michael Jordan? Like, there's always something. It's always, yeah. I mean, we talked about how it always goes back to LeBron. That's because it originally always went back to MJ. So here we yep. are. 
Yeah, it's funny to think like it may be in 10, 15 years time. And I know we joked around about being old with our uniform takes last week. But then I think we'll know we're really old when we'll, when everything everything starts going back to LeBron. But given the fact that I think that as long as he's still playing, it, it won't possibly. But once he eventually does retire, if he ever does retire, maybe he plays forever, uh, then stuff will start going back to LeBron. But I barely know a life without LeBron playing basketball. 21 of my 29 years living, uh, he's been playing. So it'll be very weird for a lot of us to uh, – not seeing play now finishing up let's go into the weekend slate two games want to highlight get our picks for raptors 76ers saturday 7 30 p.m in toronto and then thunder nuggets sunday if you're not watching sunday football um or your team played on thursday or they play on monday night or sunday night whatever thunder nuggets sunday 3 30 p.m in okc who you got i feel like this is a game where i mean uh, excuse me the thunder looked awesome on opening night um, you know, they, yeah. they routed the Bulls. They had the Bulls in a state where they're having, you know, players only meetings like after the first game of the season. So, uh, you know, you did something Crazy. right if you're if you're sending the other team into players only meetings after game one. Yep. Um, but I do think this is kind of like, a, hey, you know, wake up. You're facing the defending champs. Uh, you might be up and coming in the Western Conference, but you're not there yet. I think it's going to be a big, big win by the Nuggets. I think they're going to put them in their place really, really quick. Um, I mean, you know, I, I kind of want to bring this up as like my social media moment, but we saw Chet Holmgren get you know, kind of demolished by Andre Drummond the other, uh, uh, on Wednesday night. Um, you know, he dunked all over him. He picked his pocket. He crossed him over crossed and made him, him fall in transition. You know, that's a that's a real welcome to the NBA moment that, yep. you know, we're not really going to forget anytime soon. If Andre Drummond's doing that to Chet Holmgren, then I got bad, for, bad news for you, buddy, when uh, Nicole Jokic comes to town. I was just getting ready to say, if we talked about Nicole Jokic, little bro in the Lakers, Chet, welcome to the league once again. Um, and, and again, just speaks to like the, the differences in the league. Like Andre Drummond playing on like a veteran's minimum now, but solid player played in the league for over 10 years at this point was big time recruit coming out of high school, big time at UConn and been in the league. Anybody can stay in the league for as long as you stay in the league, solid guy, but you don't think about it like that. It's, it's the kind of reminder when they ask those guys who's the first player to kind of get you when you get to the league. And Chet Holmgren always say, it's Andre Drummond. And then you're reminded of how nice he actually was. Now, the Nick Nurse Bowl in Toronto. Nick Nurse back pretty quickly. It's pretty interesting. He starts the season going against Adrian Griffin, his former top assistant. And then he goes against his replacement. We don't know James Harden. They asked him not to travel on this two-game road trip. That being said, I think it, it, it's going to be – well, first of all, let me just say, I think it's going to be uh, Nuggets going to take care of business uh, against the Thunder. But I do think that we're going to get a – you know, seven, nine-point win from the 76ers. The, the Raptors don't have an answer for Joel Embiid. What do you think? I agree. Um, and also, like, pretty unfair scheduling for the Raptors to have, like, this, you know, pretty monumental game of their schedule on the second end of a back-to-back this early in the season, the yeah. first week of the season. After the Sixers got, like, a, you know, they got, what, two-day break compared to everybody else before they tipped off on yep. opening night for the first time. Um, you know, I mean, obviously no James Harden makes a difference and that's probably going to make a difference in the spread that we, you know, don't have access to yet because it's so far out. Um, but I think it's going to be a double digit win by the 76ers. Uh, I think I've harped, harped on him uh, on this podcast before, but Tyrese Maxey is ready to step into that James Harden role. Like I'm almost going yeah. as far as James Harden is holding Tyrese Maxey back from being the best, ver- best, there best version go. of a player that he yeah. can become. Um, you know, so I, Without James Harden, obviously that team's going to take a hit, but I, I really do think that guys like Maxi and guys like Tobias Harris are ready to step up and, and pick up a little bit of a scoring load there. Um, and, and like you said, no answer for Joel Embiid. Jakob Pertl is going to do his best, but his best probably isn't going to be yeah. good enough against you know the guy that's averaged 30 points per game over the last couple of years. Yeah, and Jakob Pertl, very fine center. Uh, got the size to do it too, but Joel Embiid is just Joel Embiid, and he just – 
brings a d- dynamic that most bigs and that have ever played the game don't have. And he tends to save a little extra for when he plays against the Ravens. I think that uh, 2019 still weighs heavily Definitely. on his mind. It's going to be going to be interesting to see. Speaking of 2019, the reception that Nick Nurse gets when you win a, you win a city a, cha- a championship. It, it's never going to be bad blood um, as far as that goes. But I think back, you know, and I know that they mutually agreed to part ways, and he's doing well for himself. He's coaching a team that does have high aspirations but i do think back to 2019 when Dwayne casey came back and the pistons just <laughs> owned the raptors with when Dwayne casey's on the sideline so i wonder if we'll see a similar dynamic because at the end of the day these guys are competitors and he's gonna say so many good things in front of the cameras and i know he really does mean them but in the locker room he's not trying to lose to the team that let go of him <laughs> No, definitely not. Definitely not. I mean, he's going to go in there. I mean, I think it was what Dwayne Casey had won like the first like three or four matchups against yeah, the Raptors yeah, after they let him go. And they won yeah, a so championship Raptors too. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And that was a that was not a very good Pistons team. I mean, that was right. year that Blake Griffin was kind of holding on by you know that was his last big All Star season and everything yeah. like that. But yeah, I mean, like you said, to your point, these guys are competitors too. I think the reception is going to be great for Nick Nurse. I think it's going to yeah. be you know kind of a put every put all the BS aside and, and really just appreciate this is the guy that brought the first championship to this franchise. Um, I think it's going to be a really cool moment uh, inside Scotiabank Arena for him. Um, but at the same time, like you said, you know, this is one that he wants for sure. He's had the circle on his calendar, even though it was, you know, they mutually parted ways. Uh, maybe it was time for him to go. The locker room didn't really, you know, kind of listen to him the way that they had been earlier on uh, when he started in Toronto. But I really feel like he's going to he's going out of his way to make sure the 76ers get this one done. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like you said, it needed to be done for both sides. He ended up doing well for himself. And now, based on what we were saying, the vibes that we see in Toronto with Darko Ryakovich, everybody seems to be benefiting. So it's going to be good to see that and see how that continues to play out as the season goes on. And you'll hear about how the season continues to play out as it goes on here on NBA Sound System. Please make sure, if you haven't already, to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And we'll have all the NBA takes, more overreactions. Like, you know, the Grizzlies may be cooked. James Harden <laughs> might be holding Tyrese Maxey back. We'll see how it goes as the season goes. I'm glad that you have one now that, that, I, that we'll, we'll have to revisit and see yeah. uh, as time goes on. So we both put our hands out there. No riding the fence uh, this time here on NBA Sound System. For Kyle Irving, my name is Gil McGregor. Thanks again for tuning in. We will catch you back here on NBA Sound System next week.